Hey folks, it's Jeff Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency. And you're listening to my podcast called Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. Turn it up. Yeah! Woo! Yeah! It's Thursday, everybody! Man, I hope everybody is having an awesome week. I actually feel like I'm having a pretty good week. You know, that doesn't happen that often. Kids are only slightly sick. My wife's kind of getting better from sickness. I'm starting to get sick. But hey, the weekend's almost here. It's currently gray and sleeting and just nasty weather going on here in Detroit. So I got that going on. You know, we're, it's almost spring though, right? So coming up on today's episode, I'm going to be talking with uh, Max from the board game Diversity, which at first I called Diver City because it is spelled D-I-V-E-R space. C-I-T-Y. I didn't know it was called diversity. So that was my bad at first. But great conversation. Awesome board game. It's doing really, really well. It's uh, Max's second game. So if you, again, you're a board gamer um, or you're thinking about getting into board games, you're going to love this conversation coming up a little bit later here. Um, and, and I think it's intriguing uh, about this conversation is just hearing you know, how to, to manage multiple things, right? How to I think Max is a full-time pharmacist, and he's still making a board game. Still has a girlfriend. They have things to do. Um, you know, they're busy, and still he's putting out a game. And, and his ultimate goal is to put out a game a year. He's, and so far, he's he's doing well on that. So that conversation's coming up a little bit later. So what's going on in my life? Thank you all so much for asking. I appreciate that. You know, I'm sitting around here and. Uh, really been thinking a lot about community and what that means. You know, um, I've got some opportunities kind of floating around me that are, you know, getting my head spinning and dreaming a little bit about what could be, you know, what, what would it take, um, you know, maybe to move, move somewhere. I don't know. You know, I remember back when I was about 23 or 24, um, just really being packed and wanting to move to Santa Monica. Like that was my goal. Like I got to get out to the LA area, I, I'm not going to, music's just not going to happen here. Mind you, this was, I already had the studio in, in Monroe um, at the old farmhouse from, uh, I was like 18. So I, I, I had, I, I had something kind of going here, but I just started to realize that it wasn't enough. And I'll tell you, I just didn't have the balls to make that move, you know? Um, so I don't know if any of you out there have actually done that sort of major move. I, I mean, I'd love to hear from you about what, what does that look like? What does that feel like? What, what, you know, what were the, what were the challenges? What was the good things about it? Because it, to me, it seems like, man, it really could be a great, like, you know, um, you know, restart, refresh. But then I think I'm romanticizing it. My, I think the reality is it would be really crappy to not know where anything is or how to get there. But then I go back to the other side of that. I flip the other side of the coin. Man, with a smart device, man, you can find anything. So I don't know. That's kind of been floating around a little bit here in my head. But, um, uh, you know, but man... Also challenging not to get depressed, you know, just because of the news, because it just seems, you know, living here in in, uh, in Michigan, you got all that Great Lakes. They're they're cutting all our funding for that stuff. I mean, it's just, boy, is that just a what the, f- Ugh. ridiculous, right? Ridiculous. So so I've also got this kind of new thing kind of floating around me here too, where. I, I'm, I'm sh- my wife is attempting to get into um, kind of the old kind of working for herself, being a bit of more of an entrepreneur. And mind you, she's a very in the box, straight ahead. You know, this she works, you know, she really, I think, likes some structure. So she's attempting to forge into this new, um, this new career or this new path. And I got to tell you, it's extremely frustrating on my end to be on the other side of these, some of these conversations because she's saying the same things that I say all the time, being an entrepreneur since I was basically 16, you know? So to hear her finally get to it and, and finally have that excitement that's around it and the, um, you know, the, the, the drive and, and, and how you see all these potentials, it's extremely frustrating when, because she was so, you know, she's just not as supportive or she, she, she doesn't see half of my visions or see what I'm working on or understand why I'm even doing a podcast like this. She doesn't comprehend how this podcast eventually does lead to clients, leads, 
business deals, whatever it might be. It's a great place to point my um, my um, my current clients to or future clients. It's like, hey, if you don't believe me, go listen to the people I talk to. So, you know, something like this, she can't correlate how two plus two equals four. And now that she's jumping into the entrepreneur, entrepreneur world or this sort of, you know, um, sales type of vibe, she's starting to see like, oh, yeah, yeah, I see it. But she still doesn't comp- really comprehend what all that I do and have been doing since she met me and then 10 plus years prior to that. You know, this sort of idea of really, really, you know, owning my own life, you know, really owning it. Um, you know, if I, if something, if I fail on something, I fail on something. I don't blame somebody else. I didn't do something correctly or I didn't work hard enough or whatever it is. And if I do something good, the reward is just as high where it's like, man, I really hit a home run. I really, you know, my, my plan I put together is working. I mean, that's how I kind of feel like right, right now with Woodshed. I'm riding a bit of a high that a loose idea at the end of 2014, uh, excuse me, uh, at, at the end of 2015, you know, sitting around my table with a couple guys going, I think we could create an agency for crowdfunding. And, you know, literally having four clients within the first 60 days. I mean, that that's, you know, and since then, keeping at, keep adding clients and, and, and really having a model that's working, um, you know, that obviously we're always tweaking. We're always trying to make it better and we're trying to make it easier and easier and easier for our clients to understand. But, but you know, you get back and, and you re, you know you have that reward where you, you feel good about it. I mean, I read something the other day that, um, and this is something I've, I've started to implement inside of Woodshed because we're a small team, um, and 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 it, and it's such a roller coaster. I mean, just being a small business or a young entrepreneur is a roller coaster. And I'm suggesting everybody everybody think about doing this. Um, so whenever you get a, an email of, of somebody praising you. You got to save that email, store it somewhere in a folder in your inbox or whatever tool you use, Slack, wherever it might go, and, and periodically go to those emails. Man, I, I've got a list of like 20 emails right now that I've received over the last couple of weeks praising us. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Your information was really valuable. I appreciate what you do on the podcast, how you're giving away so much stuff, or, or you know, they appreciate this tone I have. I mean, I think most people get it. I'm, I'm trying to help as much as I can. I'm trying to give out information. I'm trying to be there for you. Crowdfunding is a huge battle. And crowdfunding is such an important thing because it is your dreams. It is, you know, I, I have a, we have a new client that just signed on who, I mean, literally they said to me, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, husband and wife, whatever, are looking at me saying, you know, we're doing this for our daughter. We're hoping that this sets up, man, that's a lot of pressure. So that's, that's, so when you get those sort of emails, save them. And then when you get the nasty emails, which happens, I mean, I get them, you know, people just get pissy with me. You got to delete them right away. Don't even read them. Just get rid of them. They bring, they, they will literally derail your whole idea. So I think this is an important thing to really do and really stand back and reflect when something good is happening. You know, and when something's bad happened, get rid of it. So many times I get people just, oh man, that guy, I, you know, I, I, I did a cold email strategy. I sent out four emails and one guy got back to me and he didn't like me. So the three other people liked you, you know, like, and it's just, I think it is our human nature to just focus on the negative as fast as possible. So I don't know, kind of a reflective type of day here on Thursday, you know, a little bit of reflectiveness. Oh, a lot of stuff floating around, but exciting stuff, you know? It's all good stuff. Nothing bad. Nothing bad. So, a couple things I need from you guys. So, um, you guys have probably been seeing a few leaked photos of our new You Are Your Own Brand book. Information of that is going to be coming down the pipeline shortly. Um, we're getting, we're just kind of putting the plan together for our product launch. So, you're going to have an opportunity to sign up and get uh, it at a special discount price and even win a couple free ones. So, that's going to be happening. Um, second thing. If you're enjoying the podcast, do me a favor and go tell a friend, tell another entrepreneur, tell a classmate, tell a, you know, tell a coworker, say, hey, you got to go listen to the Successfully Funded Podcast. Not only are they talking about crowdfunding, they're just talking about good life stuff, right? So, you know, tell a friend. That helps us out a ton. Also, what else can you guys do? Well, you can sign up for our community. You can sign up for our Slack channel. Small price to pay there, but you get full access to the team here. So sign up for that. And, uh, you know, follow us on social media. We're on everything. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. You can see uh, a little bit of behind-the-scenes stuff here at the agency and what we are currently working on. So, um, And if you, if you do want a little more Jeff Wenzel, which some people have asked for, some people are saying, I don't have enough Fuzzy Wenzel in my life. If that might be, 
I'm also on another podcast. Did you guys know that? Yeah, it's called The Standcast uh, for Stan Magazine. Go check that out too. Um, buddy Dwayne and Mitch and I, we chat about men topics, man topics. You know, so we talk things about like manscaping. What does that look like? Uh, you know, uh, what happens when you lose your hair? Can you repurpose the hair that you're losing every day? Stuff, you know, just topics like that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, guys. We don't talk about manscaping. We might. I don't know. Dwayne picks the topic, so maybe one day we will talk about manscaping. But So send me an email if you want to know about wh- uh, how I manscape, if you're interested. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm getting off track here. So let's go ahead and kick into my conversation with Max from Diversity, um, a board game about scuba and the coral reefs and how you can save stuff. So uh, let's go check out my conversation with Max. All right, Max, the red light's on. It's podcast time. You, you excited? You ready to go? Yeah, all up. All up <laughs> and running. <laughs> all right, yeah, getting you pumped up. You know, got to get that excitement. So why don't we start off with, uh, why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about your, um, your game you're making and uh, what you're doing on Kickstarter right now? Yeah, the, maybe you've heard of it before. The name of the game is uh, Diversity. Uh, it's the second game I've created after uh, Brilliance that I did uh, over one year ago. Uh, and it's a co-op game uh, about uh, diving. It's a team of divers that will fight against uh, in- industries to uh, save coral from, uh, from destruction and uh, extinction. Interesting. So like, h- how do you play the game? What- what's kind of the-, the premise of it? Uh, well, uh, it's a game a little bit. I don't know if you've already played uh, Pandemic or uh, Hanabi. It's kind of a blend between those two. Okay. Uh, so it's a game that player will play uh, turn by turn. And each player will have... Uh, Usually it's four actions in their turn that they can do, and they can use uh, those actions either to move, uh, to explore new coral tiles in order to discover species, or they can also tell other players what they have in hands, because all players have uh, coral tiles in their hands, and they don't see uh, they are associated with which uh, species. So you can tell that to other players as well with your uh, own actions. Nice. So it seems like you've got a real like um, like a um, environmental type of tone to this game. W- was that a was that on purpose or was it, it just something that you love the sea, coral, all that stuff? Where was kind of the idea for this game started from? Yeah. Well, basically, I've always loved the environment and uh, nature. And uh, over one year ago, I took my diving, uh, my diving classes in uh, Malaysia with my girlfriend. And that's where my, uh, the idea of making a board game on diving came from. And I thought that it was a pretty original idea since there I don't know many board games about diving. Well, I, that, that, that's why you got an email from me because when I was looking at this, I was like, I, I, I don't think I've ever seen this. I'm intrigued. That's, I, I want to find out more, you know. Ah, that's, uh, that's great. Well, that's cool. So, so walk me through a little bit, um, you know, maybe while you're diving, you know, where does this idea outside of it, like, uh, you know, like when you start to think like, Hey, this might be something interesting to be a board game, but where does the idea start to take place of what the game could actually be or, or do? Uh, well, currently, uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of article and a lot of uh, journalists talking about the coral reef uh, bleaching and coral reef extinction. Mm-hmm. So I thought that making a game on coral reef, I could also make it uh, educated, educative. So speaking about uh, coral preservation and what are the threats to coral. And when I was diving, I found that it was so much colorful and there was so much species and uh, and colors everywhere. So I thought that it would be a terrific uh, topic for a board game. Sure. And did you have to educate yourself on so you're 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 you know you're saying the right terms and all that stuff? Did you have to really deep dive into the educational aspect of this? 
Uh, well, yeah, of course, because I want I want it to be as close as uh, as the reality as possible. But still, it stays a, a board game. It's not a book, so I didn't have to do extensive research or read many articles in order to uh, be able to create the game. That's cool. That's cool. So let's let's go back a little bit. So uh, where did you uh, grow up? Uh, I'm from uh, Canada. Uh, from the French part, that's why my English is not perfect. <laughs> uh, I'm from uh, Quebec City, which okay. is uh, close to Montreal, and uh, I was born here and grew up uh, grew up here uh, all my life and still living here. What, and uh, uh, what did your parents do, or what do they do? Uh, they're not in the board game industry at all. First of all, <laughs> and my mom is a nurse, and my father is uh, retired. He used to work as a technician in a science lab. All right. So, where do you think? Uh, where did the board game kind of, uh, you know, uh, bug bite you? Where, where, where did you start to play, and, and what were you, uh, you know, what was kind of that first game that got you going? Oof, that was a long time ago, I must say. Uh, first, when I was young, like I think almost every board gamer, I was playing a lot of uh, Monopoly and Risk. But that was that was a while ago, and I really got into the hobby with uh, Magic cards. Uh, that was about uh, maybe 20 years ago, 18 years ago, when I was in high school. And I've played a lot and a lot of Magic's. And then at some point I've stopped playing because it was too expensive and uh, there's always new editions, so it's kind of hard to follow. And uh, one day I discovered uh, that there was many, many new board games while playing uh, The Year of the Dragon and uh, Catan, which were my first two big uh, board games that got me into the hobby. And it really started when I discovered uh, Seven Wonders over... Uh, uh, it was several years ago when it came out so it's really seven wonders that made me think of okay there's a lot of possibility in board gaming and since since then i've bought many and many board games and don't don't stop playing so you know growing up what was the um kind of the atmosphere around you to kind of support playing board games and and was it something that you kind of envisioned doing on a more professional level was was there you know, board game nights, or was, you know, was it, do you have an older brother? You know, what was it like kind of uh, around that? What was the atmosphere around um, board games when you were growing up? Uh, there was, uh, I've, since, like I said, I've always been playing a lot. So always enjoyed playing. And the more you play, it's like somebody that reads book. The more you read, the more you want to write a book. Uh, I think it's kind of the same with the board game. The more you play, the more you have ideas of your own and you want to create one and uh, when I was young I tried to create several small prototypes but nothing nothing was really good <laughs> in what I did but then growing up the idea in my head keep like expanding and I kept on thinking of creating a, creating a game and once I've played enough game I said okay now it's time to stop playing a little and work on my own project. And this is your second game, correct? Because the first one was, is it Brillance? Is, is that how you pronounce it? Uh, Brillance, right. It yeah. was an, and, uh, an Ant game. And, <laughs> that's cool. And did you, did you crowdfund that one as well? Uh, yes, in uh, December 2015. Cool. What was the major difference from you know, creating that game and running a Kickstarter to, um, to Diver City? What, what's been kind of the... Has there been any major changes, or was it easier this time? You know, what was the big differences? Well, obviously, it was quite uh, quite easier this time because we knew what we were doing. Because <laughs> at the <laughs> first uh, first time when we did the brilliance, we didn't really know where to go and how to kickstart a project. And uh, of course, since it's our second, uh, well, we've learned a lot from the first experience. So it was way easier just the process of uh, what to do in which order. Uh, how to start, how to get reviewers, how to create good prototype, how to, uh, so it's really uh, how to get good quotes, what to ask for good quotes and stuff like that. So everything was just better for the second, uh, second lunch, I will say. So, you know, let, let's maybe walk through a little bit of maybe the first time you build it. Like, you know, when that first idea starts to hit, what are your first steps into, you know, 
producing a board game? Is it landing up manufacturers, laying it all out, getting reviews? What, 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 what's kind of the first steps when you kind of get when you get that idea for a game? Well, the first initial step is to, uh, and it may be the hardest to come over, is to create the first prototype. Because uh, you don't go out and ask for reviews if you don't have a prototype, right? Right, yep. <laughs> uh, so create the first prototype is kind of hard because you don't, at first you need to uh, find a good team, I think, and develop over that team to give it uh, life and uh, give it good mechanics. And uh, to develop the first prototype when you don't really know where you're going, you don't know if it's going to be balanced, it's kind of hard and a lot of playtests just to be sure that everything works together. And it's all working on those small details that takes uh, that takes a lot of time. And I will say that once you get the first prototype and you think, okay, this is solid, then you've got a good a good part of the of the work done but there's still a lot to do of course after that mm-hmm. but uh, it's kind of the hardest uh, hardest part to get into is make the first prototype i think so so for a game like diver city i think you can play what, what up to seven people is that right uh right one to seven so yeah, one to seven. So you know, when you're kind of testing everything and 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 trial and erring, are you playing with four or five other people? Are you getting their input? And do you trust them that that you know, you know, like well, you know, I don't know if I like, I guess if I had my mom review something, she'd be like, I don't know, I just don't like it, you know, just, <laughs> just you know. But like like, how do you find those people who are like, this is what I want the game to do, and try you know, like trying to get them to understand, like, hey, I hope it does X, Y, and Z. How do you you know, how do you guys work that? sort of or do you how, how do you work that out how do you get it out of your mind uh, uh what you want to do you know first i will say that the the main person against whom i've played the game either for brilliance or diversity uh is against myself because mm-hmm. <laughs> okay before bringing it to table with other people i make sure that i sit like alone with an excel sheet just to be sure that everything's balanced and I play over and over and over against myself simulating other player and okay. trying like all the different possibilities that the games the, the game offers uh, just to try to uh, to see the limit and the extent of the game and I do that a lot and a lot of time take statistic in my excel sheet to see if everything's well balanced and once I've played against myself uh, several times then I can bring it with people and try it to get their comments and uh, keep on ameliorating the game. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. And and is this all you do? Do you just get to make board games? Uh, no, uh, I've I've done a lot of studies uh, before making board games. Uh, my real job is working as a pharmacist. Oh, nice. So how, how do you balance the time of having a full-time career and job there as a pharmacist? with creating a board game how, how do you find the time and, and the balance and i think you said you had a girlfriend too you, you were out diving with her i'm sure she wants a little bit of time you know <laughs> yeah the key i think for me is for now not having kids yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i can say that uh, As I, have six and, I have a six and a three-year-old so I time is so valuable yeah exactly because uh, right now it's i will say it's two full-time jobs mm. <laughs> right so I need to work like uh, during the day usually in pharmacies. Then at night and during weekends, I always work uh, on my project, even more during the campaign. Right. Uh, I took some holidays during the campaigns because it's really demanding, always new stuff to do. So I took some uh, days off just to be sure that everything runs uh, runs as uh, supposed to be. Sure, sure. So. If you had to describe what board games mean to you, how would you do that? You know, how, if if somebody who's never played board games asked you that, you know, how would you describe like what they bring to you? You know, what they allow you to do? You know, how they've changed your life? Maybe how, how would you talk about those? Uh, I will say now that they they represent a big part of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they develop me to uh, have so many great experiences, meet so many nice people, uh, have a really, really good uh, gaming nights, a lot of fun with either family, friends and uh, all that stuff. It's really a, 
a big world to discover and I will highly suggest to them that they try, uh, if they don't know yet, that they try uh, more modern board gaming because uh, I think it's really a powerful tool for, uh, for social interaction either with friends or families or uh, girlfriend. You can play one-on-one, -on -one, you can play alone. So it's really, really a great world. Yeah, and, and what do you what do you make of this sort of? Um, correct, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that there is an absolute boom going on in terms of board games and kickstarters. I mean, most of my interviews are with board gamers because they're having such success in it. What do you um, equate that to in terms of why people are gravitating to Kickstarter and board games right now? Uh, I think it's uh, because of many reasons, many different reasons. Uh, the first one, I guess, is like me, I used to play a lot of video games uh, when I was younger, but uh, growing up, I kind of uh, stopped playing games a little because they are more. They tend to be more solitary, except when you play in lands and stuff like that. But uh, usually, you tend to stay uh, more alone at home, playing by yourself. Right. And getting older, I kind of got bored of that. So I turned my interest uh, into board gamings because I can still have that gaming feeling when I play board games, but I share it with other people. I kind of compare that to opening a book, uh, but like reading a book with many people. It's like a story that unfolds in front of you and you've got different teams. If you want to play, I don't know, uh, as a knight, you can do that. You can play dragons, you can play a diver, you can play an ant colony and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So it allows for many, many possibilities uh, and gives you a lot of social interactions, which I think is, uh, is one of the reasons why board game has come uh, has come back so strongly in the last years and, and and where do you where do you or what do you see in terms of the kickstarter community and why there's so much support uh, on that platform right now i mean it just i mean it seems like if you're making a board game you've got to be on kickstarter right now yeah well there's kind of two uh, two different branches in the market right now i think that kickstarter is really really popular for board games in general, in big part because of uh, social me media. So you can share like really cool projects with really nice pictures, really nice miniatures and everything. So people like to share that and show that and they wait for it. And when they receive it, they're really happy and post that uh, all over Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and stuff like that. So I think that the social media really uh, allowed for Kickstarter to be as popular as it is right now for uh, board gaming. And also, uh, we've got two, trend, two trends right now in the market. There's the Kickstarter uh, projects, but there's also the retailer projects that comes out uh, directly into the stores. Mm -hmm. And both are really good for the indus industries and both are booming right now. And I think that on the long term, uh, we're going to see uh, more and more projects with a lot of miniatures and a lot of uh, components on Kickstarter because Kickstarter allows creators to give the consumers uh, big, big board games with a lot of components for a smaller price uh, than in the industries. But uh, on Kickstarter, you cannot like try the game directly. You cannot buy the game directly. You need to wait until it arrives at your... Uh, at your doorstep. So I think that the retailers are going to keep on and the and the distributors are going to keep on selling a lot of the a lot of game in in the retail stores uh, because you can go there ask for comments uh, right. you can have some sort of support and you can take the games in your hands compare them so uh, it's completely two different markets. But I think that both both are blooming and both both are really good for the hobby. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's cool. So with diversity, um, what was was there any sort of major roadblock um, that you had to work around, or or any sort of major pivots that you had to make from the start of the idea to actually um, you know getting up on Kickstarter here? Oof, uh, that's a really good question. We had uh, we had many roadblocks, of course. Some were bigger than others. 
but uh, I think that everything went still pretty smoothly. We didn't have any any major problem doing it because we kind of knew where we were heading uh, because of brilliance of our first game. So it was quite easier to uh, manage. And even though all days are not perfect, we still uh, didn't have uh, that many problems. Cool. That's good. And, and was there any sort of major moment that maybe it all it all clicked? You know, the opposite of the roadblock where you just were like you were sitting back and hey, this is going to be a pretty sweet game. This is going to work. Ah, uh, yeah. Pretty. Uh, there, there was many many moments, either good or uh, or not as good. But um, a big big uh, moment that I really enjoyed was the first time I tried it with uh, many people. Okay. And they were like all playing the game and say, wow, this is really, really fun. That's a really great game. So that was like, okay, so if those people that knew a lot of board games enjoyed it, I was like, okay, there's potential to it. So let's, let's drive it. Let's, uh, let's try to make it a real, uh, a real board game. So that was a really cool moment for That's me. Cool. That's but awesome. Still, it was great, but still they were my friends. So it's kind of, uh, <laughs> right, right. It's yeah. kind of biased, but then after that we had this similar moments with but with people that we uh, we don't know like in conventions and stuff like that. So uh, those were all great uh, great moments as well. That's cool. That's awesome. So let's flip a little bit over to the successful Kickstarter campaign that you're running right now. So what what was kind of the major strategy that you had um, before you launched the campaign or or while you while you're launching the campaign to get people to back and and be excited about it? Well, the, I think that many many creators on a Kickstarter probably already told you that or uh, similar stuff. I think that the main point on Kickstarter to be successful is to uh, have a community prior to launching. No matter what you do, the most important thing is to get people involved in your project before you launch a campaign. Sure. Uh, that's something that's easier to do when it's not your first one. Because uh, uh, obviously, when it's your first one, people don't know you, so it's kind of hard to get them to get interested into the project and everything. But for diversity, since it was our second Kickstarter, and the answer to brilliance was uh, pretty good in uh, in general. Uh, well, many people just came back because they they've really enjoyed uh, brilliance and because of the support we gave them and things like that. So the main point here was to develop a community prior to launching uh, diversity. So, so was there any sort of strategy before you launched um, the first one, um, you know, to actually kind of get that community going? How were you getting people into your, into your world and in, into your ideas at that point? Uh, for the first one, we did not get a, com- a community that great. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you've uh, seen it or uh, heard of it, but when we first launched uh, Brilliance, uh, we needed to cancel uh, because there was not enough backers and our project was not uh, optimal. So we did a relaunch. So for us, it was a great strategy because just getting on Kickstarter uh, for the first launch helped us develop the small community. That came back to us when we did the relaunch. Ah. We just did that like we, we launched and we ran for seven days, I think. We canceled right away. And we've relaunched uh, the game uh, on Kickstarter three days after that. So it was quite fast, but still it helped us getting known and getting some people into the project. So that's, uh, I think that's the, the part that explains how we found it, hmm. how, we fund, uh, how we funded yeah, that's interesting. And, and and what about when you were kind of like when you're approaching, you know, maybe uh, some pay per click stuff? Are you doing Facebook ads or Reddit ads or or board game geek ads? Is there anything that you're you you kind of gravitate towards in terms of pay per click stuff? Yeah, of course, we're trying to get the more the more visibility that we can. Uh, for both campaign, we use the board game geek ads uh, for diversity uh, and for brilliant for brilliance. And we use also Facebook uh, groups that we've created. We use Facebook ad. We use we have a Twitter account uh, that we use a lot as well. We have an Instagram account. So there's a uh, different uh, social media that we're using. And for this campaign, we're going to use uh, Reddit as well. 
since it's uh, pretty strong for uh, board games. Uh, so the more visibility that we have, the better it is. The, the key, I think, is to be present and uh, to try to be uh, as possible everywhere. But since it's not possible, then <laughs> <laughs> choosing your, your battles. And uh, I think that Facebook is pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good for, uh, for advertising. It's a yeah. pretty strong tool, yeah. So, so if you if um if you were talking to a first time board game creator who's getting ready to to launch a launch a Kickstarter, what would you would you give them one what one thing would you give them to really focus on? Uh, the really the most important thing is create the community. Yeah. So try to involve people, no matter how you do it. If it's a blog, if it's a I don't know, uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, Pinterest, Reddit, but getting people to know you is the the first step. And before that, yeah, true, prior to that, having a good game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. if you don't have a good game, then I will say, well, try to develop it and to uh, fix it so that it's getting good. Because even if you have good artwork and, uh, and good uh, presentation, that's not enough. Yeah, uh, you really need a good game prior to launch. I think then the the community. Well, let's let's uh let's talk a little bit about your your artwork for diversity because it 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 looks great from everything I've seen on Kickstarter. I mean, I'm, I haven't held anything, but it looks awesome. Wh- where do you? How does that process uh, happen for you? Uh, this process was uh, quite long and a complicated one because it's uh, I've tried at first in the first time for brilliance to develop my own artwork. But since I'm not an artist, it was like a five years old drawing. So (laughs) it was not possible to kickstart that. So once I did all the the sketches and all the the cards and the board and things I I wanted to to be, uh, when I created the things and did them how I wanted to be, I... Later found an artist via DeviantArt. I don't know if you've heard of that uh, website. It's a freelance uh, website for uh, for artists and uh, people that seeking uh, artist help. And I found a firm a firm in uh, Indonesia called uh, Gung Studio, uh, which were creating pretty uh, awesome art. So I contacted them, and then we. Uh, we signed a contract and we did the brilliance. And since I was really happy of their work, uh, I, I've contacted them back for uh, diversity. That's cool. What, what was the website again that you use? Uh, DeviantArt, the oh, name of the website. And the firm is uh, Gung Studio. And what's really nice about, uh, about Gung Studio is that uh, they're located in Jakarta, in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. And uh, I traveled there also with my girlfriend, so I just tell the the director of Gung Studio, hey, I'm going to Jakarta, so let's meet up. And he was so happy to uh, to see me. He was like, I never meet my clients. <laughs> right, right. I, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that was really a really good day there. He was like, all my clients are Americans or uh, uh-huh. Europeans or Canadians. And he said they never come to Indonesia. So he was uh, really happy to see me there. <laughs> Oh, that's that's awesome! Yeah, I I, I can see how. Yeah, I I work. With, um, I I'll use Upwork a lot for either myself or my clients, where I just need like a one-off thing, and I'm like, man, I bet you I'll, these people never meet anybody face to face. No, it's really rare because it's kind of long way to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're you're right. That that's great. Uh, so you know, what do you see? Um, in terms of board games and where they're going over the next five years, what, what what's your predictions? Hmm, my prediction of Obviously, I would like to say that they're going to sell even more and more and become more popular. <laughs> That's what I hope for, because yeah. for many reasons, because I, I really like board games and I want people to get into the hobby, get to know that and really have fun and enjoy them. Uh, and I think also seeing the trend right now, I think it's going to keep on uh, Unexpanding because the market is quite uh, is quite big and many people don't are just becoming like just starts to to get to know some board games and I think that more and more people in the years to come are gonna uh, are gonna enjoy the hobby and uh, yeah. yeah I think so but maybe I will maybe time will prove me wrong but I I hope not <laughs> <laughs> and, and then and. For yourself personally, I mean, what is kind of your ultimate goal here? Um, 
you know, making board games? Is it something that you just see kind of being this sort of, uh, it's not even, I mean, it's a, a very professional hobby, but something that you do on the side, or are you trying to grow maybe a, a, a whole series of these types of games? Well, our goal as a company, because I work with two uh, partners called uh, Simon and Simon, uh, and we're, uh, we're the name of our company is Fear Games, and our long-term goal will be to release uh, one board game per year. And oh. that's what we aim for, and we want to really produce uh, one year, every year, a really good and solid game. So we don't want to overproduce game and just push them on the market we really want to have one solid game per year so let's hope uh, we're going to be successful in that and it's going to work maybe one day if it's uh, if it's good enough we're going to be able to live on that but for as of for now it's kind of a two job thing (laughs) right right And, and and now do you envision yourself making each game a year or do you see yourself maybe flipping into to, you know buying a script or publishing or, or, or that sort of world oh, i'm i'm open to all uh, possibilities for now uh, for now i like uh, creating games and uh, probably i'll be creating uh, some of them with my partners as well but maybe that one day if we're uh, big enough and it works well we're gonna publish other people that's something i will i would uh, really enjoy yeah, that's awesome. So, so you've got a successful uh, funded campaign already, but you got 20 days to go. So, what is the strategy from this point on to kind of to keep the momentum going and and uh, and and keep getting the backers on? Uh, many uh, many different uh, aspects to this uh, to this question. Uh, we've got a lot of publicity going on uh, Facebook, on Twitter, on Board Game Geek, on KickTrack as well, and. Uh, We've got many uh, podcast interviews <laughs> planned uh, in the next uh, in the next weeks. We've got a BGG contest that's gonna that's gonna run. I'm sorry, uh, what kind of contest was it? Uh, it will it will be on the April third. Uh, BGG contest for uh, winning games and other stuff uh, related to the to the uh, the campaign. So be there if you want to have the chance to win a diversity deluxe. Uh, version of the game uh, and there's uh, also many reviewers that will uh, receive our game many have already received it we're gonna have many more videos to come more press release more article to come uh, in france and in, uh, in united states and europe uh, so several places and we keep on working on finding different ways to uh, get people to know our game as well yeah so after the campaign, you know, you know you're going to be funded as of right now, but what starts to be your first steps in fulfillment? Uh, that's a really good question. Well, before fulfillment, we need to produce a game. So the first step will be we've already contacted our uh, manufacturing company, uh, which is called Panda, uh, Panda GM in China and we're uh, we're going to need to check with them that all the files are are good and everything depending on how many stretch goal we we reach we're going to have to change uh, stuff this and there so they need to approve all our files and once that is done then they need to produce a game which takes usually about uh, about uh, 2 to 3 months mm-hmm. uh, all the all this process then after that is the is the fulfillment so after the, the producing part, you need to uh, to send all the copies to fulfillment centers all across the world, right. and that takes in both about like one month. And after that, the companies need to fulfill the game, which takes usually about several weeks as well. So it's a pretty long process, but pretty exciting one. Yeah, that's awesome. And do you now? I don't. I guess I don't know this. Are you in retail, or do you envision retail being a part of your uh, board games? Uh, definitely, it's the it's a big part of the market, and it's uh, really a part we want to be uh, to be involved in. Uh, for Brilliance, right now we're in retail stores in Canada, and uh, in uh, in France we just uh, entered in France I think this week, 
And uh, for diversity, our, stra our strategy will be the same. Obviously, we'd like to be in retails all across the world. But to do that, you need to produce a lot of copies. And yeah. to produce a lot of copies, you need a lot of money. So it's like... Yeah, <laughs> yeah catch 22. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's a lot of work, but it's, a, it's exciting. And uh, for diversity, our strategy was to do a standard version and a deluxe version. The reason that we did that uh, is because, uh, first of all, it's nice to have two versions depending on uh, what people like uh, in board gaming. Mm -hmm. But the main reason was because uh, on Kickstarter, people tend to really like the deluxe versions. Right. But the problem with deluxe version is that in retail, they cost a lot of money. So yeah. they're kind of uh, harder to sell. And our goal is that many, many people can enjoy and play our game. So we wanted a version that's still as fun and as playable as the deluxe version, but that will sell at a lower price in the, the retail store, which is the standard version. That, of course, we're, we're going to still send to our backers that backed it. But uh, the main idea was to have the standard version mostly for uh, for retail so that they can sell a, a good product for the good price range that's cool so you you know you mentioned that the games available obviously in canada france it sounds like the united states what what is your opinion in terms of the different countries and board games like how do you either make a game that you know is going to do well in all these countries or is there little nuances for each country that you're seeing for board games uh, that's uh, that's a re another really good question because uh, i know that the ends are really popular in europe <laughs> yeah. So, so there in France, people really, really like the game. Uh, they're still popular here in North America, but maybe a little less. Uh, so it's kind of a social thing and it's really hard to manage and know what will happen and try to plan ahead uh, for all these small nuances. Uh, so it's kind of something that you see once once the game is published. Right. Something that uh, that comes up later on. I think that it's really really hard to to tell what will happen before uh, before being in retails. And then, do you translate the game for 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 like you know in French and and other languages, or do you just keep it all uh, English? Uh, well, since I'm a French speaker, uh, I've translated the game myself in French. Mm -hmm. uh, for uh, brilliant so in all boxes there's the there are the rules in french and in english so for that it's it fac it facilitates a lot the the selling in different countries uh, the more languages you have the easier it is to uh, distribute the game sure. uh, for diversity as of now uh, we will have uh, five different languages i think it, the game will be because uh, we use the iconography uh, for games so all the cards all the boards uh, it's only icons that describe the actions uh, the only thing we need to translate is the rule book uh, which is really great because it uh, simplifies it simplifies the production uh, and uh, it minimizes the chances of error while uh, while in production as well mm -hmm. and we're going to have the game diversity in all boxes it's going to be english French, Dutch, German, and Spanish. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. To be able to to reach the widest public possible. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Well, Max, I don't want to take up any more of your time. I know you got to go back to running a successful Kickstarter campaign. So this was an awesome conversation. I really appreciate you taking some time out of the day to talk about diversity and 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 uh, and uh, tell my listeners about what you're working on. It's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for the invitation. It was really great. Uh, I've enjoyed the uh, the podcast. It's a uh, it's a really good uh, a really good podcast. Cool, awesome. <laughs> well, well, thanks. I mean, well, you guys are the ones making it great. I'm just here. Uh, I just hit the record button. It's you, <laughs> you're the one making it great. Awesome, yeah, man. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Oh, why don't you tell me real quick? Just tell my listeners um, if they want more info um, where they can go. Obviously, Kickstarter, but maybe website and other stuff. Uh, yeah, well, we've got uh, the Kickstarter page right now, I will say, is our main web page. Uh, but we also have a Facebook account on Brilliance, on uh, Sphere Games. We have a Twitter account, uh, Sphere Game. We have also an Instagram account. And we have a website, www.sphere.games.ca. 
if uh, you want more info you can just contact us uh, over there we're gonna spend the entire campaign looking at that awesome, <laughs> awesome. all right well i'll let you go and get back to answering those emails from uh from your backer community and uh i appreciate it thanks so much max yeah thanks have a great day everyone All right, how about that conversation with Max? Lots of good stuff there. So the song we're listening to, let's just pivot right away, pivot right away. Conversation was great with Max. Max, thank you so much. If you guys are into that game, go check it out on Kickstarter. Um, It looks really cool. Uh, I love the artwork. I think it looks great. A lot of good stuff there. So, but okay, back to the song. The song we're listening to is a song called Lucky. Uh, It was written by myself and a singer-songwriter named Carla Vilkin. Um, she did some stuff for the Sugar People back in the day at the old studio. I had her perform on some vocal tracks, and she helped out with the lyrics on this one. And I love this song. It's uh, it's about uh, it's about dark and gloominess and rainy and 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 you know yeah. So I'll stop talking. I'll let you guys listen to it. I hope you guys all have a great weekend. Uh, I'll talk to you all on Monday with another episode. And uh, yeah. you